0: get identified with the truth. Your belief that you are your past and future is much more the pain than the fact that you usually are in the past and future. It's your belief that that's your identity. Because that means for you to get in the moment and actually understand who you are, that would be death to what you thought you were. So you're going to not want to die. So you're going to keep your small story, your victim story, and not get that you're now. And so the first thing is just understand that the second thing is when you're in your now, what it does, the longer you sit here and listen, is it tries to bring up everything you're not. And it's doing that because it wants to purge it. So when people meditate, usually they like, I just start listening. I don't have to do anything. You can have a mantra. You don't have to. And I just notice everything that's here. And at one point I notice sometimes a physical sensation start to show up that doesn't feel good. That's a good sign. Because that means your past is falling off of you. And if you think you're your past, it's going to be painful.
1: I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best selling author, and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and there are a few questions that often replay in our heads. And and number one, it's, what is my purpose? Number two, if I achieve massive success... Will I finally become happy? And number three, how can I learn to finally, finally face my fears? While these answers aren't immediately clear, I think logically we have a sense of what the truth is. And today we take a deep dive into these topics, and there aren't many people that I think better understand these topics than Kyle Cease. And Kyle is a New York Times bestselling author and a widely popular comedian turned transformation coach. And as a comedian, Kyle had two number one Comedy Central specials and was voted as number one on Comedy Central's stand-up showdown. After leaving his job as an award-winning comedian, Kyle dedicated his life to helping others and created Evolving Out Loud, which is a growing community with over 400,000 members worldwide. Kyle has personally coached over 15,000 people. And his YouTube videos have been watched over 60 million times. And it was a very thought-provoking conversation where we get into things such as why he decided to leave the entertainment industry after having so much success and the process in doing so. We also discuss the common but not so obvious happiness trap and how to avoid it and be genuinely satisfied. He shares how to authentically embrace feelings of fear, nervousness, and uncertainty and how to use them to your advantage. We also chat about staying present and living in the moment while also going after what you want in life. And of course, we chat about purpose too. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Kyle Cease to the Adversity Advantage Podcast. Kyle Cease, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you for having me, brother. Happy to be here. Of course. And we had a pretty cool conversation before we hit the record button. And and I was like, let's just get this thing going. And One of your biggest passions, I would say right now, and has been through the last few years, is helping people really embrace fear, embrace uncertainty so that they can really live a life full of meaning, happiness, and fulfillment. And one of the things I I admire most about you is how I believe your gifts in this evolved from your own personal journey of having a successful career in the entertainment industry as a comedian. For 20 years, you had two number one hits, two number one comedy specials. And then all of a sudden, you just decide to walk away. And you're like, you know what? This isn't for me. This isn't as fulfilling anymore. And then you embrace that uncertainty and fear for where you were going and now helping other people do the same. So if you could talk a bit about like what that what was going through your mind when you made that decision, why you made it, and then what kind of things you implemented into your life to really face your fears and all the uncertainties that came along with that.
0: Well, the... I think the first thing, and this was something I was saying to you before we started, but the first thing that makes it easy to embrace fear is, is understanding really what it is and how it's a complete illusion and, and realizing that and embodying that makes it dissolve much quicker, right? So to give you an example, there's a ride at Disneyland, the Indiana Jones ride, and I don't know if you've been on it, but basically the, the cart at one point moves around a corner, and you see this basically, it's a spray mist screen and there's rats, right? That are like on a on a screen that's made by mist. And the cart goes right face first into it and you're scared you're going to hit these rats and then you people actually scream and then they go in there and it dissolves, right? Now, what would happen if, this is kind of a funny analogy, but what would happen if that cart rounded the corner, sees the rats, you believe the rats are real and the cart breaks down? And you have time to look at the rats and tell yourself that it's a legitimate thing. And you keep sitting there and the rats are just there. And let's say the cart breaks down for 30, 40 years. And you're just sitting there staring at the rats. You're now talking to therapists about the rats. You're telling your (laughs) friends about the rats. It's a fact that there's rats here. And then one day they fix the cart, which is like listening to us and the cart just goes and all of a sudden you're screaming because you've conditioned yourself for 40 years to believe that this thing is a real thing and you go face first through it and then you realize I can't believe that whole thing was a lie. Like for 40 years, I've been resisting this thing that isn't real. And what I believe fear is, is basically you've created a story through your childhood about how life works based on moments you've had with your parents, feelings of connection. And that's based on their conditional love that's based on their childhood. They they all did the best they could, but still they have their own fears and their own traumas. And they grew up with parents who grew up in the great depression who taught them survival versus all that you are. So you're connecting to your parents and you hear your parents say something like, money doesn't grow on trees or it's the root of all evil. And you want to have this successful life and you actually associate that if you become what you are, you'll lose your connection to your parents. You'll lose that, that love that said we have to, it's, you have to stress and life isn't that easy. And so we, we create this false story inside based on our childhood. And then everything you do that's your calling is the death of parts of that story that are in the childhood. So, if you understand that, then you're just moving forward as if you're moving from third grade to fourth grade, and your pain is that you've identified as a third grader, but you're naturally someone who's going up in grades, right? So, you're going to fourth grade, you're going to fifth grade, you're going to sixth grade, and if you know your job is to keep ascending, you'll be fine. Now, imagine if a third grader never knew there was a fourth grader coming. (laughs) Now, imagine if in third grade, you just think that's it. So, there is a fourth grade that shows up, but you only find out if you faith-based move out of third grade. No one's going to do that because they're scared of saying goodbye to the world they know. But the only reason that we stress is because when you let go of something, your mind can only measure what you will lose. It can't see what you will gain. So you're only sad about the loss of the old story while not getting, there's a new story always trying to birth on the other side of that release. So for me, what was going through my mind was the revelation that certain things in my life just no longer fit me, no longer fit my story. And I think we all have that, but we don't realize it. And that's the moment that we stay in a job for too long or something that's too stagnant, stay in a story, keep people in your life that no longer align with you, keep habits in your line that aren't the highest thing. And so my life went from kind of motivation to just let go of all the things that equal the old story. And you actually put yourself in an alignment to receive so much higher. You don't see yourself as I only am someone who does this for a living. You see yourself as infinite possibility and your worthiness and everything else moves up over and over and over again. So then you start being able to receive on a much higher level and a much now it's a much more here level. And the best thing about 2020 and probably 2021 times a thousand is that it's forcing us out of our third grades. It's forcing us out of our complacent story and it's forcing us to discover who we actually are. You, You can't stay in a mediocre job anymore. Some of those are pulled. You can't just numb yourself at a restaurant anymore. Like those are gone. You can't just stay with the wrong relationship. You have to let go of these things. That could have been like just things that were a five in your life, you know, that were your way of avoiding what's inside of you. And by relieving those things, you're suddenly connected to you in this moment. And you're not just how much you make or who you're dating or whatever, You're infinite possibility. And just this moment.
1: Spot on, man. And I I couldn't have said it better myself. And gosh, that was so deep. And before we were recording, I was like, you're one of these guys that strikes me. As like a Zen comedian, like you're obviously you've had your career in comedy, you're super funny, you're doing videos with JP Sears, who I know is a close friend of yours. And I just know there's this, you're just, you're a funny guy. But deep inside of that, there's this deep spiritual Zen wise guy that has evolved. It's funny how evolving out loud is like your brand, right? Evolved out of your comedy career. And I believe that uncertainty and fear are at the base and root of so many of our problems today, right? Fear of letting go of our past, fear of will I ever get married, fear will I ever beat this drug addiction, fear will I ever buy a house, fear will I ever travel. I can go on and on and on. Yeah. And it leads to so much darkness because we can't, we don't learn how to really harness the fear and say, okay, Fear is here. Fear is good for us because we're growing and it means we're ascending into the next level of ourselves, correct?
0: Well, yeah. And I would also say that I don't think we have a fear of losing anything, like mm-hmm. getting over the drug thing or whatever. It's that the things that we've kept in our lives were helping us mask something that has been trying to come up and out. So, for instance, let's say you just have a core fear of loneliness if you're so scared of loneliness it's trauma to feel lonely then you will stay in a stagnant relationship that doesn't work and you think you're scared to lose this person but they're actually just their removal is suddenly the release of this thing that actually is the scariest thing to feel and ironically if you release the thing it'd be gone and it would be replaced by universal love in the now but you can keep someone in your life just because they feel like a childhood story and you can stay feeling like you're hanging out with a parent or someone else with this, this thing. So when that goes away, then the, Oh, I'm alone. I'm abandoned. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not enough is suddenly exposed. Now to me, letting it be exposed and loving it is the trick. So I'll have someone say, I'm scared. If this happens, then I won't be unworthy and I make them take a deep breath and hold a space for the energy in the body that's scared to feel unworthy. And I have them say, you're allowed to feel unworthy in my body. You're allowed to feel alone in my body. The, the feeling of alone isn't the problem, it's your resistance to it. And if you could take a deep breath and go, alone is allowed, feeling you know, abandoned is allowed, feeling judged is allowed. If imagine how much power you have, if you're allowing yourself to fail, if you're allowing yourself to be judged, if you're allowing yourself to be abandoned, most of us are literally making decisions from the preventing of those things. I don't want to feel abandoned. So I'm going to stay in this crap. I don't want to be judged. So I'm not going to put out my book or my gift or whatever, because they might not like it. So what if you don't care if you're judged? What if you're like, I'm going to be the highest me. I don't care what you think. Boom, I am going to really create this company. I don't care if I go broke. Imagine that. If you're like, I don't care what it I'm going to follow my heart and it's fine if I'm broke. How much would you not go broke if you had that much power? Do you get what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the the Mark Manson book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, right? He just yeah. talks about that very thing and that we put so much stock into these external things and all of our fears and uncertainties into things like money and fame and glory and um, acceptance and all these things that we, I think, forget to really look within and say, okay, like, what can I control within myself? And then if you can really hone in on that, then all that other stuff will flow more naturally.
0: Well, the really surreal thing for me that was one of the aspects of what changed my life was the constant belief of when something happens, I'll be happy. Yeah, I mean, this is an kind of an old thing I've taught for a while, but like, I mean, every person listening I know is thinking right now that thing next week when it happens, I'll be happy when I'm over this. When I when I break up, when I ask the person out, when I when the right president's in or the wrong president's (laughs) in or whatever, when we finally get over this, when whatever the insurrection act happened, whatever the people believe, when that thing happens, when I finally get that number in the bank, when I finally get my taxes taken care of, I'll be happy. And we don't understand that that's an energy that lives in the future. And if you actually got what you wanted, that energy is going to die. So it's actually scared of receiving what you actually want, because the part that always needs to fix would die. So ironically, you both aim for having these things that you want, but you also sabotage them because you're under the illusion that it will complete you and I got to achieve most of the things that I wanted I was in hit teen movies I did 10 things I hate about you and not another teen movie I got to tour as a stand-up comic two comedy central specials live on the road as a headlining comic have a New York Times best-selling book all these things and it was when something happens I'll be happy and then I got them and you'd literally just start thinking what's next or I I hope I don't lose this. So you end up kind of codependent on the achievement. And the huge shift for me was the actual acted out understanding. It's not that, it's when I'm happy, things will happen. When I'm okay with every part of myself. Happy doesn't only mean big smile. I mean, literally okay with my sadness, completely present with myself. When I'm fine with this. And I'm not hit by circumstances. Oh, that person's talking shit about you. Oh, your money's going to, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm this moment. Then all of a sudden, ironically, you're not codependent on your circumstances. And the weirder part is your circumstances change around the vibration that you're being, that you're embodying, because you're not telling life that you're so codependent on losing this thing or this job or this whatever. And you're only happy if it goes well. The more I don't, I really just stay in me and I'm not in the illusion that something will complete me, the more complete I am. And the more I'm safe for things, the more, if you went on a date with someone, you know what it's like to be on a date with someone who is dying to be with you versus (laughs) someone who's totally in their own power and is happy to be present with you, but can give or take you right. That person feels safer. Right. Right. It's the same with money. It's the, like money would feel the same way. Like no one would want to be on a date with someone that says you're never enough. You need to be more. So if you treat your money that way, it's going to want to stop dating you. Right. Right. It's, it's, but if it's like you can love it no matter what it is, even if it's in the negative and be in a vibration where you're not lowered based on it, you're literally going to create a situation where everything takes care of itself because that's the
1: match to you. Right. And this whole notion that when I get this, I'll be happy is a trap that so many of us fall into. I've fallen into it. I'm sure you've fallen into it throughout your life and people listening to this have. And it's like, yeah, when I get that next relationship, I'll be happy. And then what happens? You get that next relationship, you're not happy. I get right. that next paycheck, I'll be happy. I get this next download and I'll, I I'll get this next appearance. I get this next whatever it is. And we just, it's like a, a dog chasing its tail. You're, you're yeah. never able to chase it.
0: Ironically, suicide is more something that the upper middle class do. It's people that have the things that they thought they'd want. It almost actually takes sometimes you a second bar away from the thing that you actually are, meaning like now you're stuck to the abundance externally and you have no feeling connected to your soul. I'm not saying don't have abundance, but I'm saying soul first.
1: What I think is they wrap people wrap an identity up in money and fame and external things that it fills them, right? And a lot of times it's chasing a high. you're right. you're getting high off of the money. You're getting high off of the jets. you're getting high off of hanging around a certain crowd of people. And then if you're not in tune with who you are at a soul level like you just alluded to, if something happens like COVID-19, the pandemic, where it was stripped away for a lot of people and you don't have your identity in check, you can go down a really dark path because you're like, who am I without this? Who am I without all this money? Will people like me? Do I like myself? How am I going to make it? Do I have purpose anymore? I know we're going to get into your view on purpose, which is so spot on. It's funny. Before I go on, I was like preparing my interview, doing my research, and I'm like, What questions do I want to ask Kyle? And I remember you saying on a show, I forget who it was, but you said, I don't prepare for interviews. You're like, cause then I'm looking to gain something. I have an agenda. And I'm like, that's one of the wisest things I think I've heard someone say in the context of this. Cause as a podcaster, you always want to prepare and know your guests and and have some questions. But I was like, man, like, I just want to be in flow with this guy because he just Mm -hmm. seems to be able to roll with the punches and let the conversation evolve as it comes. And that's kind of exactly how I took this interview.
0: Well, and Ironically, that's how we talk at a restaurant or when we hang out regular, right? I mean, wouldn't it be weird if someone came to your house with that <laughs> list? Are there are like a bunch of questions, like yeah. I'll ask if you pets, and then I. So, what if also enjoying the moment is preparing? What if I prepared just by, I took a piano lesson this morning, I meditated, listened to the moment, enjoyed my day, right? That and bring That's preparing too. But if I'm like pacing back and forth, trying to come up with the right answer for you or whatever, I'm actually practicing being in the past and future. I'm actually practicing nervousness. I'm actually re- saying, I don't want flow. I don't want God to speak through me. I want my ego to come up with the right answer, which you only do so you can get something mm. right like you prepare for the job interview you prepare for the date you prepare whatever and by just saying i need to get something i'm spe- i'm saying energetically that i don't have and i create lack by trying to get something right like i actually create the feeling of not enoughness by attempting to do this the right way because i'm so scared no one will like me if i don't or i won't have money if i or whatever it is so yeah we flowing is heart talking you're actually hearing what's here right now and every person has thoughts that are here right now and very few people say the actual thought that's there like imagine if you went on stage and if you're nervous you say you're nervous like You don't have to just ignore it, repress it, and then go to your PowerPoint and and it's like, bring you out because people listen to you from the same place you're talking from. So if you talk from memory, everyone goes in their head. If you talk from heart, everyone listens from their heart and you become permission. You become what they were feeling, but they were in their head before that and couldn't tell they were feeling it.
1: One thing I want to I wanna bring up, and I heard you say this, and as you were talking, I remember you said this on an interview, was there's a lot of people right now, they're looking to meet someone new. It could be a new relationship, could be a new business connection, could be somebody they want to have on their podcast, and they don't know the right thing to say. Right. And I heard you say something along the lines of a lot of people end up like almost stumbling along their words to say the right thing instead of being honest and open in what they actually are feeling in that moment. Right. Right. I think you alluded to, you walked up. To, it was somebody walking up to a girl at a restaurant, and instead of saying, I'm really nervous, I don't know the right thing to say to, say to you, I'm trying to figure it out, they end up saying, oh, how's the weather? And it becomes a right. super awkward conversation, yeah. so, so dive into that a little bit right. and, and help people embrace the nervousness in a way that can use, they can use it to their advantage in these situations. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt free chocolate removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to EarthEchoFoods.com forward slash Doug Again, EarthEchoFoods.com forward slash Doug Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. One of the
0: biggest parts, I think, of 2020 and 2021 is us identifying what we feel. I mean, Mm. we've used our mediocre jobs and our circumstances to talk about things versus our soul and our heart and our feelings. And you're kind of more and more left with yourself as your circumstances are being pulled from you right now. And if you look at you, you talk from feeling, right? So our feelings are the most important place to communicate from, I believe, right? So yeah, as if you go on an elevator, and there's someone you really want to ask out or something, and you're looking at them, and you're feeling really nervous, or you have no idea what to say, what would happen if you just looked at the person and said, I'm trying to think of something to say to you right now. Like, that is so like, open ended and funny and humble and true. That's like the thing you're thinking. And the person would be able to collaborate on an answer with you. They could even join back. Well, you could tell me I have nice hair or you could say whatever. And now the two of you are in an actual open-hearted, collaborative, vulnerable connection. And what we do instead is we bury our feeling and then we come up with a line. Like there sure is weather outside. And they're like, and now, now we're just in mediocrity and they're, And there was weather yesterday, too. And now all of our feelings are buried. You're actually connecting to the person on the denial of your feelings. So you're actually establishing, if I keep this person in my life, I don't get to know what I feel. This will bury my feelings. And then that's who you marry right, or whatever. You married this person, you had the right dialogue here, everything down here can't be seen. And then of course, at one point you snap off because your feelings have been buried. And this is why it's so important to start everything from what is here right now, what you feel now, right? So that you can establish, I only want people and things and careers in my life that allow my authenticity to come through. Because if I have to bury myself to get this job, then i'm going to explode at one point right because i'm picking something over me and if you keep pick anything over your soul you lose both if you if money's bigger than your soul you're going to lose both if the relationship's bigger than your soul you're going to lose both soul first and then find the things and people that align with that let the people that don't align with it leave it's fine we can't make it work with everybody if it don't make it like there's a thing about Things that don't fit, there's something in our society that doesn't acknowledge that, right? Like when you go to the mall, when you get a pair of pants, the first thing you think is, does it fit? You don't, it, it doesn't matter how good it looks. If you're a size 28 and you're putting on 42s, hmm. it, I don't care how shiny it is or attractive or how much money it makes or it has the right career or it looks good on paper, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. You don't need to wear the wrong pants and keep going to therapy for 10 years to numb yourself about the fact that they don't fit. Find the right. few pairs in there that fit the relationship, the dialogue, the open heartedness, the job, the career. It has to fit you, you first. That's it. You'll never work if it's not your soul first.
1: 100%. And we live in a world where we're spending... 70 to 80% of our time, maybe even more than that for some focusing on what other people are doing, focusing on what other people think of us, focusing on the the, the career somebody else has, or the social media platform or their quote unquote purpose, their mission, instead of putting that energy into, into us. And I right. think if we could ch- have that transfer of energy and perspective to say, okay, I'm going to have that in the corner of my eye because I do want to be mindful of what's going on around me. But 90% of my energy is going to be put into my own growth, my own relationships, who I want to spend time with and evolving so that I can manifest and create the things that are truly aligned with who I am so I can be happy and fulfilled long term and not short term because we live in a world where it's all about short term gratification. It's all about the likes and the comments and the quick paycheck and, and rising quickly instead of, all right, like, does this really align with who I am as a person? And can I do it long term?
0: Right, completely. And even more, I'm finding now, (laughs) this is so interesting, but the on my hierarchy of what my priorities are, it's actually my connection to this moment, meaning like, I'm already connected to this moment. But my awareness of how much is in this moment, because this is such a corny cliche thing, but it's, it's a really tangible thing. Rupert Spira said this, and I, I completely, I know you'll, you'll feel this. There's literally no way you can physically go into your past, right? You right. can mentally, but you're always here right? So right now you're here. You can't go see yourself yesterday when you were talking to that person or on the phone. You can't go into the future. Your mind can, but you're still here. So all going into the past and future is, is a denial of what you are. And imagine every time you're in your head about something in the future, you're actually just in a denial about this moment. And and this moment is trying to offer you worthiness million dollar ideas, all kinds of possibilities, new healing, just your ability to hear this moment is so big. But what we do is we tunnel off from the moment and we go to a place that doesn't exist. So it's just our war with the now. And that's it. And in our war with the now, we get exhausted. So we look for addictions to numb the fact that we're constantly in a war with the now. And if we would understand that You're actually this is the more I do this work, the more I'm like, oh, I'm all that is like this is so weird and deep. But people listening to this are actually hearing themselves talk right now. The only thing that creates the illusion of separation is your belief system or your body or your story, which all aren't real. You can't be your beliefs, because if you believe different things in your life, are opposing things, and you existed through all of them. There's no way you're your beliefs. Your body was different seven years ago than it is now. Every part of your body is different. So you're not your body. You're all that is. You're this whole right. thing. And if you're this whole thing, your worthiness as far as what you want to create, your worthiness as far as how much money you can make, your worthiness as far as how good the relationship can be is infinite. But it's death to the story that in, lives inside you based on your conditioning. That says your worthiness is not here based on what your parents taught you. Your worthiness is you. Life is a struggle. Your worthiness is not. So that's death to the story. So if you can say goodbye to the attachment to your parents and the childhood, you, you're going to experience a freedom and and you are abundance. And so all the other things will have to match that.
1: Yeah. And I think you're right. We can't, we can't change our past right? We can only rewrite it and move forward and change how we respond. But so many people become addicted to living in their past because right. of the fear of what's to come. If they take a step forward out of that realm of comfort, they're, that's what they're used to. That's yeah. all they know. Right.
0: And and they don't ever say, what's the danger in doing that? What's the danger in keep saying I'm my past? Like, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I always say you got to choose your suck. It sucks to take a step forward in the right direction where you don't you don't know what's coming you have to have this blind faith that it's going to be better on the other side it sucks to to change some friends and embrace the uncertainty if you're going to find new friends or new habits and go on and on but what also sucks is staying in that same dark place over and over again and living with a ton of shame and regret knowing that you should have made or could have made a different decision and one of the things that's a buzzword that's thrown around a lot over the last several years is this word purpose. And my belief on purpose, it's changed through the years, but I'd say it's been pretty constant is that you develop your purpose over time. It's mm-hmm. not something you just, you don't pop open a book and say, oh, I think I found my purpose. You don't go to a meeting and say, oh, I found my purpose. I think it's just who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And you help people and you serve people based on where you're at in your own journey. How do you feel? Well, so I know you have a, we have a very similar approach when it comes to discussing purpose. So I'd love to, for you to share how you feel about it and some mistakes people make around the term.
0: Well, if we really tangibly ask yourself when most people say I have to find my purpose, what they're using to measure that. Like yeah. I'll work with a lot of people in one-on-ones and I hear that the most. I'm trying to find my purpose. And I go, how do you measure purpose? And you start to really realize it's almost always that I'm doing something I like and getting paid for it, right? It's almost always like that. It's something that I'm good at and I'm getting paid for it. So the, the idea of purpose to most people is it's based on, am I getting physically paid money for doing it, right? It's, it, that's a measurable way. But I remember having a friend once who is this wonderful woman who would just walk into a room and people would light up. And then she would say to me, I'm trying to find my purpose. I was like, you think that didn't count? (laughs) You think that didn't do it? And it's such an insult to God to say it's up to you to find your purpose egoically. It's implying that you're not in purpose, that the universe didn't know what it was doing when it created you. So you're looking at yourself through the eyes of a man-made societal concept versus the fact that you exist. And as a speaker I love, Bashar would say, your worthiness and purpose is that you exist. That's it. And if you understand that your existence is your purpose, your permission slip, life's going to be really easy. And, and it's funny because you don't need to hear that and go, well, then I'll just do nothing. It's that you'll actually like yourself, not be in a constant war with yourself. And you'll totally do a ton of stuff But it won't be as I have to find my purpose and I'm in fear that I'm not. It's not even that people are looking for their purpose. It's that they're in fear of the opposite, like that I'm not enough, that I'm unworthy. Most people, most people don't really want to make money. They want to not go broke. And that's a problem. Most people don't want to be in a relationship. They want to not be alone. So you're really in the fear pocket trying to avoid a feeling versus looking to thrive in here, and have the other be a byproduct of it. So you're in purpose. You can't get out of it. Even when you make a mistake, even when you're being lazy on the couch, even when you're doing nothing, you can't get purpose. There's lights shining on me right now. And even if I close my eyes and can't see them, they're still there. I just have to start to know that even when my eyes are closed, there's light on me. Same with your in purpose, same with your loved, same with your worthy. Even when you can trick yourself and not seeing it, it's still a fact.
1: You're right. And I think so many people are looking for this super flashy extravagant like bright light to shine on them when it comes to their purpose that it's going to be this this big climatic thing and in reality it's it's not it's just like the the myth that relationships are like they are on lifetime movies where every it's like happily ever after and it's easy and love is easy and and really relationships are challenging they take work and there's a lot that goes into it and the same thing with with purpose purpose isn't as simple as oh, I'm going to get to the top, I'm going to get to this path, and all of a sudden there's going to be this bright light, and I'm going to be there forever, and that's going to be the end all be all for me. It's more the purpose is the journey. The purpose to me is climbing up the mountain and just having faith and confidence that every time you fall, you get back up because you believe in yourself enough to know that you're on the right path. Keep going. It doesn't matter who you were five years ago. It matters who you are today. And I've seen my own purpose just evolve over the years. I mean, like you and I were talking before we were recording and I mean, I was incarcerated back in 2008, but then I became a trainer back in 2011. And now my purpose I'm I'm noticing is more in the whole podcasting space. And it was hard for me to let go of the identity of being a trainer because I was thinking Fitness saved my life when I was in jail and I was helping so many other people become a trainer. And I was like, am I letting my purpose go if I stop being a trainer completely, which I'm not. I still train people. And that was something I really had to let go of. Right, Embrace and know that this is just where I'm at right now. And God has called me to to share on a much bigger platform and level than just a a one-on-one setting, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. Yes. You were in prison and then you became a trainer as a way to move forward and that was amazing and it felt really good probably not only because you were suddenly training and and being physically fit and just kicking ass but also because that was your help out of a dark place right exactly what we often do is we associate that way out as the answer
1: Mm. but it
0: was the answer for that time so good Right? And and so at one point, third grade was the answer to the goodbye to second grade. Right? And at one point, you're going to be a fifth grader, and we don't want to use third grade to get to sixth grade. Right? And what's really beautiful about you is you didn't say that way out is my identity now. Because a lot of times when people come out of a dark place, the thing that helped them get out suddenly becomes the answer. But the truth is that was the answer. And it was the, the person pulling the rope to help you out. And at the same time, get excited about the fact that you're always evolving. And the real factor of all of our happiness is really, am I evolving as a person? Like when you fall in love with someone, you're not excited about the person. You're excited that you've moved up into a place that can accept this person. And then if same with if you break up and you release something, it might feel sadness, but you're actually evolving to not carry the weight of something that doesn't align with you anymore. So if you really get that you're the constant evolution versus that way, I've had that way happen many times where I went 90 days raw vegan, and that was the opening to changing my life. But I'm not saying everyone needs to be vegan. I needed to undo myself from a conditioned idea that I'm only loved when I eat at restaurants with my parents as a child, you know? And so I went raw vegan, and it killed that whole story. But then five years later, I was like, I'm going to go another 90 days raw vegan, and it didn't do anything. It was like, no, I'm not evolving this time. Does that make sense? Of
1: course, because I I think at at the end of the day, the the habits and tricks and lifestyles that got us into where we are in this current moment might not necessarily get us to where we want to go or where we're feeling we need to go. And I think we stay trapped in our past and not being in that present moment, which I think you've been hitting on during our conversation is that the reason that we're not comfortable in our present is because we're so caught up in the past. Like what happens if I leave this job, what's going to happen to me? What happens if I leave this relationship in the past? What happens if I end up doing the thing that's aligned with my heart? Where will I be? Even though I've been doing this thing for years and years, will I be able to actually let that go? And I think there's a lot, especially in the personal development world, there's a lot of dialogue out there about setting goals and looking in the future. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And it paralyzes so many people because it's almost like analysis or you know, paralysis by analysis because they're like, oh my gosh, like, I, don't even know where, well, I don't even know where I'm at right now. I don't even know yeah. where I'm going to be tomorrow. How do, you, how do you coach people and, and kind of coach them through the situation of having goals, having some sense of goals while maintaining themselves in the present? Or is it just you just move day to day and live each life to the fullest for that moment and then take it as it comes?
0: That's a great question. I'm incorporating a different kind of goal. Mm. I like, I really like open-ended goals, but not closed-ended goals. And what I mean by a closed-ended goal is I will make a million dollars by three months from now, because whatever you can see that you're going to get, you can see from the ego that you were in at the beginning of the journey. So if you see it as possible and then you achieve it, you don't change necessarily because you already knew you could. Right. What I like is open ended goals. And what I mean by that is just asking the question, what would happen if I meditate for an hour a day? What would what would I become? What would I and what what if I brought that into my life? And what if that just helps me see aspects of myself that I usually can't see. And for the next three months, I'm suddenly able to receive bigger ideas. I suddenly won't be triggered as easily because anything someone triggers is in you. So I've seen that pattern and I love it. And it's fine. It's the sole version of going to the gym, but I don't know what will be on the other side of it. And from that, I I create these higher frequencies that see a worthiness in me that wasn't there before. And that caused me to make a lot of leaps in the past. So, In 2017, we were doing events at the Alex Theater, which was in Glendale. It was a 1,400-seat theater, and we would do these incredible two-day events. They were always packed and sold out and awesome. And one day, I was in my meditation. I had been in my head before that and a little feeling off. I'm in meditation. I'm in meditation, and I get 40 minutes in, and I always have to get to about 40 to 50 minutes in because the first half hour is like the clearing out of all my crap. But I get 50 minutes in. And it just tells me, what if you rented the Dolby Theater, which is like where they do the Oscars, 3,400 seats. And, and you could feel the part of my body that would go, are you crazy? You're not going to get 3,400. It was so quiet because I had meditated that out. And I was just like, let's do it. And we called and found out it was this crazy expensive thing. And once I said yes to it, I was suddenly not a person who could anticipate doing it. I was now in the frequency of someone who does a 3,400 seat theater. So my confidence was higher. And when I went on stage at the Alex to mention the Dolby to 1,400 people, we sold, if I remember right, 1,700 tickets like they ran and bought tickets for other people. So right in one event, my confidence was so excited that I made about 110, 120% conversion on my sales to that audience. And then we easily filled the Dolby Theater. And the factor was that it's my natural state. It's every person's natural state if you get through the egoic structure to receive infinite abundance, anything anyone else can do, you can do other than a few physical, not not everyone can dunk a ball. But we all have your hero is an the Elon Musk of the world. It's possible to be that successful and create whatever, or the people that that happens. And the factor is, do they truly know who they are? And the more I meditate, the more it clears out everything that I'm not. So I like open-ended goals.
1: Here's another one really quick. I want to kind of cut in really fast. Cause I think that's very powerful. I think we become much more empowered as human beings. When we kind of tell ourselves what we should be doing, instead of having someone say, you should do this, you should do that. And I yeah. love that open-ended question that you asked yourself, like what would happen if I meditate and then answer and write it down? Like what kind of good odds are Good things would happen because m- most of us, I would say, know the benefits of meditation. We would know that it helps us get more connected to ourselves and calm us down. It can help us come up with some ideas, release anxiety, stress, that sort of thing. What would happen if I ate healthier? What would happen if I moved my body more? What would happen if I ended this relationship? How would I feel? And then you start to write it down. And you're like, like, Wow now I can see things. So these biggest fears that I had in doing it, I can actually see the good that will come of it, not just the bad that's caught in the fear. So I just wanted to kind of chime in with that point really quick uh, because I think it's an important um, thing for people to remember to to ask yourself these open-ended questions when you're looking to set a goal because now you're creating some context behind it, some meaning, and it's getting below the surface at an emotional level on why you want to be doing what you're doing.
0: Well and the best thing is to realize our goals that we can set are only based on physical things we know exist. What if you had goals based on the non-physical or no. things that you didn't know existed? Meaning like you keep staying in the open for I kind of am in a place where I I understand what exists that I can see, but also I'm like wide open to there's higher level ideas. There's higher level possibilities. So I don't like the goals that I can see because they're one little frequency, right? Like what you believe you can do is based on your past, right? And even the greatest stuff you've never done that is not in your past still has some limitation if you can see it based on the past, right? Yeah, 100%. And so to be wide open always to like Michael Beckwith phrases it like, Picturing that every moment, if you knew that there was some kind of surprise party going to happen for you, but you didn't know where it was, and you're just like, is it in this room? Is it here? And you just keep this open vibration of possibility and joy. And that openness also holds space for your pain. Oh, my God. And, and by the way, the number one factor of success is, am I okay with myself in the moment? Right. It doesn't right. matter if you ha- it does not matter if you have millions of dollars or not. And people go easy for you to say, and then that's the sentence they have to (laughs) keep the excuse of keeping money separate from God as or success or whatever. I say that because a lot of people say this, Kyle, I'd love to just be in the moment, but I have to make money. And I always say, why do you act like money is not part of the moment that it's not part of
1: God, that success isn't a part of you? Well, I think if that were true, if, if, if money equaled happiness, money equaled fulfillment, then we wouldn't see people who made a ton of money have mental health issues. We wouldn't see people who made a ton right. of money have, commit suicide. We wouldn't see people who made a ton of money you know, break the law. Like we, we wouldn't see that then if that was true and it's total bullcrap. And I think you have a right to, to speak from that context because you've been there. You walked away from your comedy career because you weren't happy with the money and the fame and everything else just wasn't fulfilling you.
0: Well, and and you you know what the biggest part of it was? I had gone through a Tony Robbins phase that took me from suicidal anxiety to number one Comedy Central special. And then I got really excited to show aspiring comics they could do this. And then I got a a lot of support from some friends that were comics. And then people that were comics that weren't there were so cynical and attacking me about what I was doing that I realized it didn't feel like with what I believe now Mm -hmm. that I even fit there. Like- I I just found myself convincing comics that what I was being was legit and it was very easy for them to just say cult leader or whatever else. And I'm like, dude, like just because I'm positive doesn't mean I'm a Scientologist or I'm a whatever. I'm just, I can see when people are struggling that they can get out of it. And at one point I realized, why am I marketing to the most cynical industry on the planet? What if it's everybody? Yeah. And, and all of a sudden I left that world. And then at one point, my body, this is what happened. I let go of stand up and felt my body go, what if I combine comedy and transformation? And my ego was like, no one's ever done that the way that I wanted to do it. And my soul was like, right. No, like what I want to do the way I want to do it. No one's ever done it. So I'd have my own field. So I started getting excited. I was like, instead of competing against a 10,000 headlining comics, why, why don't I just create my own field, combine comedy and transformation, and all of a sudden do lecture circuits at colleges and speak for corporates and do seminars. And suddenly I was in that field and then creating my own. And all of that was on the other side of letting go of the attachment to I'm a stand-up comic. My income skyrocketed, my life skyrocketed, my soul skyrocketed. I went from doing a week at a comedy club, sitting in a hotel next to an Applebee's for a week, hoping to get on to going out, flying out, doing one gig, affecting people, saying what I truly believe and leaving after having really lived in my heart. And even that isn't the highest now.
1: Of course. And I think the number one thing people want, I I mean, I would say, maybe there's a couple other things, but I would say one of the top things people want is when they get up in the morning or whatever they do, and they look in the mirror and the person they see in the mirror, they are happy with in that moment. Mm-hmm. And the problem is there's so many people worrying about who they were in the past. or so many people worrying about who they're going to be in the future that that plays into their, their mindset and who they are in that present moment. They can have them looking in the mirror and being upset because they're upset with a choice they may have made two years ago. They're upset with a choice they may have made two days ago. They're upset are fearful of where they will be in two years. But if you can harness those moments and really be present, be authentically happy with who you truly are, like truly happy, not just an affirmation, but deep down happy, you will be much more likely to achieve the things that you're so worried about in the future. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I think you've shared here. And so I kind of want to, And with a few tactical things really quick. So we've talked a lot about embracing fear, uncertainty, living in the present moment. If you could provide the audience with maybe a tip or two or three of ways they could really do that, if they were to say, okay, that's awesome. I've been living in the past and the future, my whole life. Like, how do I start doing that now?
0: And and even if they have been their whole life, that doesn't mean that's the truth of who they are. Right. Right. I, I have an analogy about that. Like I say, picture, this is in one of my videos But if you picture this, like, imagine that I'm just, I'm arbitrarily just doing something, taking a pen lid and I'm putting it on my temple, right? Now, imagine if I did this since I formed memory, that I've had a lid on my temple since I was four. And imagine if everyone in my family had a lid on their temple. And imagine if I lived in a world of people with a lid on their temple. This is an arbitrary nothing thing. But... If I've done this for a long time, I will start to identify that I am lid temple. And if you go see someone who's speaking like me or another person like you who's telling people they're more than their past story, that's like trying to rip the lid off their temple. Mm-hmm. And they think this is death. And they're like, I know this is stupid, but they're like, no, I'm lid temple and and you just you just see people defending keeping this thing here and we do that with our limitations we do that with like that's easy for you Kyle but i have blah 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 that's your lid temple that's your i don't want to embrace that i'm all that is right so the first thing to do is get identified with the truth your belief that you are your past and future is much more the pain than the fact that you usually are in the past and future it's your belief that that's your identity because that means for you to get the moment and actually understand who you are, that would be death to what you thought you were. So you're going to not want to die. So you're going to keep your small story, your victim story, your achiever story even, and not get that you're now. And so the first thing is just understand that. The second thing is when you're in your now, what it does, the longer you sit here and listen, is it tries to bring up everything you're not. And it's doing that because it wants to purge it. So when people meditate, usually they like, I just start listening. I don't have to do anything. You can't have a mantra. You don't have to. And I just notice everything that's here. And at one point I notice sometimes a physical sensation start to show up that doesn't feel good. That's a good sign because that means your past is falling off of you. And if you think you're your past, it's going to be painful. What I believe 2020 and 2021 are really about on a spiritual level is it's doing everything it can to truly purge the past from the earth. Like it's trying to take your past from you. And you have two choices. You can either grab onto your past story and go down with it. To give an example, we might notice in this time, massive effort, massive hard work isn't working to make money anymore. The more people are like, I'm busting my ass. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's because you're trying to do it from effort and it's now frequency. Your past story that you're a major hustler is not going to work anymore. We need a you that's wide open to a new possibility, right? So picture that the universe is trying to purge your past. You can go down with your past story. I'm this alcoholic and just keep drinking. Or you can be this moment and let it pull the past out of you. And you have to get very connected to the now, very connected to the universe and be open. And it's going to pull it out. It's going to pull it out through people that don't align with you. It's going to pull it out through your addiction being too obvious to you and not fulfilling anymore. So you don't do it. It's going to rip your past out of your body. And when it does, it'll, after it pulls the things away, it'll pull the feelings away. I don't have that person anymore. So I feel lonely. Then you get close to the idea that it's okay to feel lonely. And then it leaves. Our goal is to get okay with what we're feeling. So here's how we do that. We take a deep breath and we release it. And if I ask someone to say what they're feeling, not why, but what they're feeling, I feel triggered. I feel sad. I feel scared. I feel a block in my chest. Then I have them say, and I love that. I love that I feel alone. I love that I feel lost. I love that I feel unworthy. This... Let's the childhood story that's actually still lodged in your body know that it's okay. Then when it's okay, it stops being this thing that you resist. And because you don't resist it, it now feels seen and it comes to light. And usually it'll leave through tears. So I've now worked with thousands and thousands of people. And that's what I've noticed is the same pattern in every person. And their fear is the old story coming to light and arguing with the true new story that's trying to come to light. And when it's seen, it dissolves. So that's what, that's what we're doing here.
1: Mm-hmm. That is a great way to wrap up this conversation, Kyle. And for those listening, I mean, you're going to want to go get all of Kyle's books and potentially watch a lot of, more of his content after what he shared, because he shared a lot that doesn't get talked about enough. And that is just being in the present moment there's so much content out there about owning your past and rewiring it and reliving. it. And I've talked about that. There's also a lot of stuff out there about your future and creating a future and trying to achieve, 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 but there's not a lot about being in the present moment, like tangible tips on how to do so. And so I invite you to reach out to Kyle, get his books, like I said, and check them out. Where can people find out more about you? Kyle and then evolving yeah. out loud. Right.
0: So our, our, Company that I've had for ten years is evolving out loud. We have a thing that I love. I'm so I'm actually giddy about it. We have a thing on our our site called the Absolutely Everything Pass, and the Absolutely Everything Pass is like hundreds of hours of past events that we have, and then literally six days a week, our team is doing a live event. So I have one tonight, I have one tomorrow night, I have one Wednesday night. So we have a different one each day. So literally like Wednesday night, I answer questions, do Q and A's, and we do all these topics and I shift people on the call Thursday morning. One of my, my teammates, Joey does an amazing breathwork session. Sunday is a meditation and a oneness talk Monday night. We have people come as a community and we do an exercise called it's totally possible where all you do is continually riff what's possible. And it's not about the things it's about the vibration that rises And we're making an ongoing streaming thing. So there's going to be 24 hours a day of people riffing. It's totally possible that my 2021 could be the greatest year of my life. It's totally possible that I could get totally fit. It's totally possible. And this exercise is creating a high vibration counter to the CNN crawl that's always broadcasting bad news. And, And it's really crazy how much it raises your vibration, your worthiness and pe- we have thousands of people that have made so much more money, gotten better relationships, really created their dreams. And it's just helps to ease anxiety and stress and everything else. And it's lit. It's $29 a month and they can cancel anytime. And cool. there's a whole community there that, is in that higher space and give it a try. It's crazy. It's at evolvingoutloud.com. And my book is called the illusion of money. And I'm really proud of it. I mean we have two books, but the illusion of money is the one I recommend.
1: <laughs> Incredible, man. Well, I will make sure to include all of that in the show notes and guys, you're definitely going to want to going to check this out. Check out his books, check out his course, check out his coaching, because what he offers is just something, like I said, a few times, not a lot of people are talking about right now. And all that we ask is that you you screenshot this episode. If you're listening to it, share some of your biggest takeaways with us. We love to hear your takeaways. Maybe it was something in Kyle's story when he left his career as a comic. Maybe it was something that he shared on living in the present moment or fear, uncertainty, whatever it is, take a screenshot share it, tag us, and we would greatly appreciate it. And once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.